It's time for another Red Pages podcast extrasode, where we don't do a normal episode, but it's just all the extra stuff that was deemed funny enough for a extra podcast. This time, we're talking with Jim from the last episode about stuff that, you know, maybe you'll think is hilarious. So check it out. First question is, what is the robot's name from questionable content who... No one knows the answer from Robot Gale. Uh, I have no idea. Dang. <laughs> you, failed, you failed the interview, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Do I not get the job then? Uh, well, actually, no. We're looking, we're looking for incompetence, so... Oh. Hey. Uh, that's how we keep. That's how we keep our business in business. I've got that in spades. Um, so you, you, I told you like um, a month ago how this works, right? Like a long time ago. Hey, uh, ask, ask me if I remember. Uh, do you have access to your email, and thus can pretend to remember? Let's see. <laughs> uh, if you if you scroll a little bit up the email that I sent you today, I don't know. Uh, presumably your your goombas dot com actually is just a Gmail, like everybody's is. Oh uh, yeah, yep. Um, yes, the email you sent me today is much easier to find. All right, yeah, totally got a bunch of older messages here. I can just explain it if you don't want to read it. That that works too. But uh, it was funnier to ask you to do it yourself. Uh, no, I'm I'm doing it. I'm doing it. We're okay. Here we talk. We're like talking about which days we're free. Um. Here, you're apologizing for including both a signature and an image signature. Yep. Oh, here we go. Anything interesting I've done in the past week? I watched... Uh, do I just do that right now? I, no, no. Uh, I have to do like, oh, We're like a real podcast. I, I have we thing. have like an introduction and segments. Oh, I and... thought this was part of the podcast. I was all putting on airs. No, this was our... That was just our pre-show banter. Okay. Uh, while we introduce ourselves, so that, <laughs> right. so that we give the illusion when we start recording that everybody's met each other and is good buddies. Oh, hi, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Sup, chum. I'm not chum, your chum pal. <laughs> yeah. I was resisting. I never understood why chum was considered a name for a friend. It probably has to do with uh, the fact that in right? in medieval times, the word friend was uh, synonymous with someone that you chopped up and fed to <laughs> fish. Okay, yeah. That, you know, it, it's that, coming That better. sounds entirely believable. Yeah, I mean, like, I've read the OED, right? I know, I know what words mean. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm looking up the etymology of chum right now. Um, on the OED? On the online etymology, uh, etymology dictionary, so yes. Is that is that uh, actually sourced? Uh, let's see. Uh, friend, originally slang for roommate, from alternative spelling of cham, short for chambermate. Typical <laughs> of the late 17th century fondness for clipped words. Huh. Um... Yeah, mine says recorded only since circa 1684. A well-known conjecture is that it was a familiar abbreviation of chamber fellow, chambermate, or the like. But no historical proof or connecting link has been found. Right, and there's a completely. Um, this one just says that's what it's from, um, and it also has a completely separate entry for fish bait, perhaps from Scottish chum for food. 18- oh, Scottish. 
I don't I don't trust any word that came from Scottish because when the vowel reformation came around, they just skipped it. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Which is uh I don't know. Have you ever heard someone like so, speaking in Middle English? So if, just, you mean Scottish? Yeah. All yeah, it time. just sounds like someone was talking with a Scottish accent. Yeah, so those guys would have a, a massive superpower if they had to go back in time. In that everyone would understand them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you'd hear everybody else talking, and then I figure you would just put on a Scottish accent for your own pr- preservation. Right, right, well then. Yeah. Keep on truckles. I would that. You say that every week. I, I do. Every week we say that we're done with that. No, it's we got. You got to have a sign off line, man. Every podcast has a sign off. That's my sign off line. I'm very sick of the sign off line. <laughs> but I but I edit it out every week, so no one does. Yeah. <laughs> but you leave in our comments. Uh, what? Tell me. No, everything after comments. everything after the word Trucklestein gets cut off. Oh. Terrible. Um, so, uh, Jim, you said you were in the you were in the IF community in the '90s, right? Yeah. Did you? Is that how you met Jenny, or did you know her from somewhere else or I, something? I actually met Jenny when I did my um, my Kickstarter. Uh, at the end of the Kickstarter, I did like a Jim plays weird games Twitch thing, and she was watching. Um, and I ended up like begging for somebody to Skype in to keep me company during the wee hours, like when I was just like I'm falling asleep. I need to, I need somebody to talk to me. And so she ended up accompanying me for most of that. Uh, I remember her doing that, but I didn't know if that was the first yeah, time I, that you had. I, I had not known her before that. Because yeah, she's super big into the IF community. Yeah, apparently. Uh, she she only joined it after I kind of stopped paying attention. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how much you know about the humanities and academia, but they're in turmoil. Yeah, I mean... I know everybody hates them now that now that student debt is crazy. Yeah, well, it's not just it's not just the student debt, but it's it's like a lack of relevance. Mm. That sure. feel like like how does how like how do you justify studying 15th century poetry as opposed to biotech? Yeah. So, um, something I've spent a lot of this past, not like the past semester, but like a, two two semesters ago, maybe doing was um, reading books and feeding them into computers and using computers to see what falls out of books based on sort of data analysis okay. uh-huh. of, of the literal words. You can tell me if this is not interesting at all because no, I, I know... I'm, I'm really just, curious where this is going. So what you do... So, like, there's really basic stuff like okay, we can now feed the entire works of this author into a computer and he can tell us how many times the word is appears across the entire corpus. What does that mean about this author's stylistic style? Like style? Right. Stylistic style. But you can also do really, really complicated stuff. And the more programming you can do, the better this is. Like, um, if you look at the Stanford Lit Lab, they put out a uh, a pamphlet every... Every, I guess every couple of months, maybe Stanford Lit Lab. Um, who Franco Moretti is the uh, the guy in charge there, and you can just read all of their pamphlets online for free. Mm-hmm. But like they have they have uh, titles like a quantitative literary history of two thousand nine hundred and fifty eight nineteenth century British novels, the semantic cohort method, <laughs> um, and 
so like one of the one of the really interesting things he did was with he he used network theory, which if you don't know what that is, you can tell me. I'm just gonna probably start throwing out jargon because there's no words there's, for there's it. But no he, he modeled no. he modeled. So what he did was he he took Hamlet. Oh no, he took um, yeah, it was Hamlet, and he fed it into a computer, and he had the computer generate a map of all of the characters. And like just the, in bubbles, the, and the then, characters meaning like the the, the the people in this story, yeah, like Hamlet, Claudia, Sophia, that sort of thing. Right. So he he generated a uh, like a a web of all of these characters, and they they are all linked together with lines, and the line is thicker if those characters have more instances of interaction throughout the play, like if they're talking to each other. So anything, whether it's like a touch or a talk, a discussion, or like if one, yeah, um, and those, yeah, you, that that indicates like a pretty significant understanding on the part of the machine. If it so, you have to mark up the te- you have to use um, okay. hypertext yeah. right. of some sort to to do it first, but then you feed that into a computer. And once I guess once you've standardized the the markup language, it's not that difficult to just go through and tag them you because you're going to be reading the Hamlet anyway, right? Um, the Hamlet. <laughs> right. So, and then he, he said, okay, you know, there's, there's a, the lines look different if it's a one-way interaction. Like, Claudius looking at Hamlet is a one-way interaction from Claudius to Hamlet, but, like, Claudius and Hamlet having a discussion is a two-way. So the lines, you know, there might be multiple types of lines going from one character to another. Okay. And of different intensities. And he said, okay, this is super interesting. We think that, you know, Hamlet's the main character of this book, and clearly he is, but for some reason, you've got, um, I'm trying to remember who it was, back Horatio. Back the I think it of, uh, Ford Bross. Yeah, I think it was, Horatio. I think it was Horatio. Yeah, I think, so, so he, he says, you know, Horatio in the, in Hamlet has like a plot function, but he has no real motivations. He's not an interesting character. He's got no real emotions. He's the narrator. He's on his. He's a flat character. To the, uh... But for some reason, if we he he is super central in terms of number of interactions. Right. Like the centrality of his character is very high, and there are a lot of characters that only interact with other characters. They're only linked to other characters through Horatio as the middleman. And so if you remove Horatio from the play, from the web, the entire web falls apart, oh. even though he's not that important of a character. What does this mean about Hamlet? Like, what, like, how does this change the way we think about Hamlet? And that's just one example of the way that this sort of networking stuff and, and sort of data analysis th- through computers is being used to rethink the way we think about literature. Interesting. Yeah, you can make a, a career out of this, and many people ha- at Stanford have. If I cared more about books and literature, yeah, if, this would be completely up my alley. Oh, yeah, do that for Mario 64 instead, and now we're talking. <laughs> I don't know if... I mean, that, that, that's, that's kind of what I'm looking to do, right, is to, lo- is to see what we can do with games that we've done with books, because there are a lot of people that like, like to talk about games and are, are smart. Right. Games academia is pretty tiny. You should do it with uh, uh, Mass Effect. I know that the main I character is actually uh, a lot of stuff. Right? Yeah, that one actually yeah. has conversations. Yeah, <laughs> right. But it's but the the problem with game like the the you'd have the to decide what was great canon. problem. Right, the great problem and strength of games like that is that what what is cat like what there is no one story. 
Right. So, so that's actually something that I'm really interested in is that sort of collaborative narrative building between game designer and player. And that sort of thing actually uh, came up in, in courts in the 80s. I don't know if you if you know about that case. But, I, don't um, think I, I don't think I do. I don't. I don't think it went to the Supreme Court. I think it went to the to like to, to some federal level though, where there was some company that was making a knockoff game of Xevious, maybe, uh-huh. and they got taken to court for it for intellectual property violation, and the the defense argued that because a game requires a player, it is not fully authored until a player instantiates the game by playing it, and so you can't hold a copyright on a game's code in sort of in totality because the game itself doesn't exist until the player plays it. I've, and the court, I've, the court went lol. I really like that argument philosophically. Right, but it doesn't. There's no way you can build a sort of case law on that. Sure. I, I saw. Um, I went to Dickens Fair a few years ago, and I saw a performance, a period performance of the Mikado by Gilbert and Sullivan. Right. And it occurred to me, like, everybody at Dickens Fair is role-playing a horrible racist. <laughs> oh, kind of, yeah, right? And, like, and then that the chain of events in my head was like, okay, like, is it actually okay to perform this play nowadays? Like, uh, by performing it, you are becoming complicit in the creation process because the play is not a complete thing until it has been performed. So that just this discussion just happened at a local school, uh-huh. um, where the they were I think it was perfectly modern Millie they were putting on, and they were like a week from the play's production, and I guess some parent complained because it's a pretty. It is. It is no longer a thoroughly modern play in its attitudes. Right. Let's say. Right. And the there was a huge controversy because they decided to pull the play if they didn't make like significant revisions to the script, and they fired one of the teachers over it. It was a huge mess. Wow. Um, actually, yeah. this wasn't. I don't think it was local. I think it was at um, Dalton School. Do you know the Dalton School? I don't. It's in New York. Um, okay. Do you know Horace Mann? No. You heard of Hor- okay Horace Mann is like the tip top private school in New York. Um, it's it's like the Harvard of private schools, um, and Dalton is another one of those. If you're not okay. an East Coast like person, you might have you probably have no reason to know these things. <laughs> um, Tom Lear, if you know him, went to Horace Mann. Yeah, the musician. Yeah. yeah. The, well, the mathematician, right? Well, no, the musician. Well, you're right. He he. No, he, I know. He I know. Was a musician for for what a year? <laughs> and I think he was only producing music for like a year or two in his life. That's fascinating, actually. Yeah, he was a he was a Harvard math lecturer before he did that, and then he decided. And also to, after. Like, yeah, um, yeah, he 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 came out of Forest Man. Anyway, um, it was because it was at the Dalton School, which is like a prestigious high school. It was all over the news, um, even in places where, uh, like like Philadelphia, where we're we're not in New York. Who cares? Anyway, um, so to I guess to get back to your question. Which was like, are they are they complicit in the creation of this thing which is racist? Right? Is that is is that am I understanding what you're saying correctly? I I I wasn't asking. I was just like I was making that assertion. 
Oh, I thought you. I thought you were asking, is this the case? That... Well, well, but you were, you sounded it sounded like you had an opinion, which I would like to hear. Um, he's got plenty of opinions. I, yeah, I have lots. Like I could talk all night. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think I'm in English? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that it is important. Like I don't think that it is valuable to throw out the art of the past because it has things in it that we find morally objectionable today. Sure. As long as we recognize those things. As the, uh, the Orson Scott card issue again. Okay, so Orson Scott card is not a thing of the past, though. He's still alive and being a racist. <laughs> He's a racist right now. <laughs> right. So, like, if Orson Scott Card had been, like, H.P. Lovecraft and died a hundred years ago, I wouldn't have a problem with him. But the fact that I could go to his house and yell at him for being a racist <laughs> is still a problem. Dude, man, like, everything that's happened is in the past. Yeah, me disliking him for being a racist is in the past. Technically, and this the entire present. conversation is in the past due to the way that electrons and uh, sure, sure. Yeah, it's true. So, yeah, I think that as long as as long as you are willing to like, as long as you are both willing and capable of acknowledging problematic elements of a work, then you there's like you shouldn't throw out that work. There are still there is still a great amount of cultural value in those things. You just have to under like they have to be approached with a certain understanding. Right. Like that's that's my view of those things. Like people people get all up in arms about reading like Huckleberry Finn, right? Even though that like that that is a parody of a lot of stuff. Yeah. But it's got language that people find find objectionable, so it is often banned, and that is the wrong way I think to go about doing this. There are some people. Uh... Uh, raising the very important issue of uh, the president's use of that word in his uh, on his appearance. Yeah, I, I heard him say that word on a podcast. Yep, yep. And I was I was surprised and delighted to hear him say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get it. Let's like go, like you said, Gord. Let's let's see if he'll be on this podcast, yeah, right? Let's do it. You're only like one step down from the president in terms of celebrity, right? You are the most important man in indie gaming. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. Is it, did that title come from somewhere? No, I just made it up. Oh, you just made it up? Okay. I decided to use it because it was funny. It's, but, it's, uh, it's like how uh, Michael Jackson decided to start calling himself the king of pop and everybody just went along with it. Okay, sure. So are you are you claiming uh, yourself to be the successor to Michael Jackson? <laughs> Only facetiously. Well, sure, but I mean, I wonder how facetious that was for him at first. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a slippery slope, man. Next thing you know, you're going to be wearing a single glove and uh, bleaching your skin. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Just th- think how much whiter you could be, right? Oh, man. I love how enthused you sound. <laughs> about being so white, yeah. <laughs> about being, no, about becoming whiter. Yeah, yeah, I could. You could be the the whiterest kids you know. Oh, I'm already white. Do you, do you burn in the sun? I, I do, I do. I, I remember, uh... I remember putting on sunscreen and offering some to a friend of mine who's, like, mm-hmm. ethnically Middle Eastern. He just laughed at me. <laughs> it's just like a, a white person problems. Yeah, well, I mean, it's an evolutionary thing, right? It, uh, the, the whiteness of our skin allows us to absorb more vitamin D in those cold northern climates where the sun isn't as strong. Right. That's, that's the point of that. Ah, so yeah, so, uh, so you can burn in even even in when it's uh, winter. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, because the sunlight reflected off the snow is twice as strong. Right. 
So I know that I'll be, I guess, um, probably at GDC this year. Oh, cool. So I might I might actually see you then because I, I suspect that the crew I'll be rolling with is the crew that you roll with. Uh, who are they? Um, in terms of in terms of Zach and and uh, Kevin and um, I don't know if Riff usually doesn't go. Oh man, I've never met Riff. I don't think he exists. <laughs> you know, I mean, he 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 exists enough to move into Gary Butterfield's old apartment. I don't know if you know who Gary Butterfield is. Yeah, I met Gary uh, when he guested on video games on Doug. Oh right, because he came down to San Francisco. Yeah, I've never actually met Gary either, but like he's a person that I talk to. Yeah, sometimes. so I, I believe that Gary exists. Um, but not Cole? You don't believe that Cole exists? I've never seen Cole. Um, okay. I've seen Zach and Kevin, and all three of these people just claim that Riff, that Riff exists, but, like, I don't know if I buy it. And, um, okay, R- yeah, Riff's, Riff's beard exists, because I've heard it rub against a microphone. Okay, yeah. Um, that could be just steel wool. It could be, but uh, who's rubbing the steel wool against the microphone? I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it could be. It could be <laughs> the, a ratatouille situation. Skeleton. Right. It could be a ratatouille huh. situation where, like, he's a corpse and he has a a rat pup, puppeteering it. Oh man. Oh, it's uh, okay. So it's 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 like ratatouille meets weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, man. I somebody fund this movie. Let's get a Kickstarter going. Yeah, yeah. Weekend at Weekend at Remy's. It, it, it turns out that's actually how I fund Frog Fractions too. Yeah, so completely um, unrelated project. This could be Frog Fractions too. Who knows? Yeah. Yes. Oh man! Actually, every Kickstarter from now on is just going to have at the very end. Is this Frog Fractions? Maybe. I should, yeah, I should talk to. I should just talk to the Kickstarter people and have that add that to every Kickstarter automatically. Did you? Oh, you know what I wanted to mention that I didn't. Mention of oh well, it's too late now. Was that perception funded? I'm oh, super yeah. excited about uh, that. No, I'm 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 excited for that too. I was um I was really concerned for them. But they made it. They, Things are good. They, they didn't stretch goals. Yeah, but it looked like they weren't going to make it for a long time. Yeah, it was real close. There's always the the doldrums. The last minute the push. The, yeah. Yeah, but what, like they had gotten to two days left and they were like twenty five thousand dollars away. Oh, that's, I mean, for, for 150000 that's not so crazy, actually. I, I mean, that when you, when you played WoW last, what you immediately did was went to WoW's cooking zone and planted your guy there and cooked all the way to the skill cap, right? <laughs> I, I, if I had... So what is it, what do you, what is it that you think that you find incredibly... Like, because cooking in real life is fun because it's actually a creative process where you make right. interesting decisions about how to cook. Right. But in a video game, it's especially if you, if all, if like in WoW's cooking zone, all of the materials are just on a vendor who's standing right there with the recipes. Yeah, yeah. What is what? What do you find satisfying about that gameplay? Like, is it just watching a number get bigger? No, it, like the part of um, WoW's cooking that I actually enjoyed was uh, just it was a skill that's super useful in general uh, for raids and groups and whatnot. Okay. Um, but also, it was it was just a uh, kind of fun in that it combined what I was doing with uh, fishing. There's a whole bunch of daily quests associated with it. Uh, oh, so it, it was how it tied into other, other yeah. systems? It, it, was, it just felt like a, a good reward for uh, putting effort into cooking. Now now they have a thing where if you if you get a food that you don't know how to cook, 
and you eat it, you have a chance of learning that recipe, which is, I guess, Everyone's thematic. Like somehow a savant, and sometimes like, this, this was one part cinnamon and one part well, other I mean, thing. I've, I've done that at a real restaurant, right? Well, like, haven't you gone to a restaurant and, like, had something that's really good and thought, okay, how if I wanted to make this at home, how would I do that? Actually, I actually don't, because usually really? I, I just go, like, I, this is good. I'm just going to order it from this place again. See, a lot of times what I do is I go home and I look like I look up a recipe right. for that thing, and then I just make it at home. And that's how I became a chef. Yeah, I mean, if I ever need to cook it, and just being like, I'm just like, what do I want to eat uh, today? And I'm just like thinking, like, oh, you know, it's really good, this thing from this restaurant, but that's like real far away, and I'm not going to wait an hour in line. And it's like, oh, let's just look up the recipe, and then it's like, okay. Huh. And I get a general idea for it, and I try to like figure you get, you out. get your general toes for it. Yeah, exactly. Because you only ever make general toes chicken. Exactly. As a vegetarian, I, I make a lot of general sauce chicken. But, uh... Don't... Yeah. Mm. But I want to make... Guild Wars 2 cooking is much better doing the exploratory is parts it? of it. Huh. Okay. I, I guess I'll... You, maybe I'll get just, into you that You just stuff. get to... If you do level of cooking, like... You know how in most... I feel like we're still, like, recording the podcast, right? How much of this is worth <laughs> splicing in? Oh, probably a decent amount. Uh, <laughs> But seriously, like, if you, um, yeah, like, you know how all the crafting professions have, like, uh, recipes that just, like, take these four ingredients, mash them together, right? In, uh, for cooking, or I guess for all, um, of the professions, but cooking in general, you just get, like, you can just open up a whole list of ingredients and go, like, I'm gonna put these together and, and see if that makes a thing. But that gets tiring when you have to do that. The game that has the crafting system that I like best is actually Kingdom of Loathing, specifically because you can just throw things oh, together okay. and see if they make a thing. Yeah, yeah, and if you're wrong, it doesn't consume them. That's yeah. true, yeah. That's incredibly nice. They just say, the worst crafting system is Minecraft, right? Because, like, <laughs> good luck oh, figuring out man. any craft. How do, you, how do you make a bow? Yeah, you sort of draw a bow with the ingredients. But you always draw and, the bow and, like, that way. That only works for the least complicated things, too. Like, once you start trying to make something complicated... Right. Good, I, well, I mean, like, the armor is just the worst, because you can never... Like, all I know is like, it's some amount, like, use of these slots in a symmetrical pattern. Minecraft has dual-wielding now, apparently. That's weird. You can you can hold an item in each hand. <laughs> or, 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 as we called it, uh, two arms, man. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, man, two, two uh, arms. Oh, Minecraft you didn't talk about the Hearthstone Brawl. Oh, right, yeah, we didn't get to talk about that. No. Jim, have you played, do you play Hearthstone at all? I do not. Uh, it's, man, it's good. Hearthstone has successfully conned millions of people to be interested in CCPs. Yeah, the fact that I just remember everything I ever hear doesn't help, right? But, <laughs> but like, you don't bring that up unless it's somebody who, who is amused by that sort of thing. <laughs> right. Um, I have a friend who I was actually talking to yesterday, and I was like, hey, remember in, in middle school when you told me your AOL instant messenger passwords? Here they all are. I was like, wow, thanks. <laughs> I was like, go and, go and relive the, like, the crappiest part of the 90s. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. That's great. I know. I was like, well, I, so, I was like, she was like, how in the world do you remember? I was like, well, uh, when my friends told me stuff, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. <laughs> Yeah. So so I just have these text documents on my computer that are from middle school because I have one folder where I put all of my files, 
that I've been toting from computer to computer since 2004. Right. I've, I've had hard drive failures, so unfortunately, even if I wanted to do that, I, I couldn't. Well, yeah, can you send me my uh, my music library? I wiped it by accident. <laughs> I don't have your music library. You don't just store everything? You're not the NSA? Yeah. Can you can you get me um, all of... Uh, all of the movies that I pirated from 1999 to... Okay, I think I think you've missed the point. <laughs> I said that I that uh, I, I saved all of the things my friends told me, not all of the files that they downloaded. Uh, I told you all of my, my, my files in... Uh, can, can, you, can you get me uh, the list of that all one. the songs that I really enjoyed back in... Uh, did you tell me all of them? <laughs> I don't know. Did, did, you, did you say them to me? I'm surprised that Jim isn't asking for files. Okay, okay. Can you give me the list of all of my favorite albums from 2010? Um, did you tell them to me? If you did, then I'd probably have that saved somewhere because I have everything written down. You'd have to, uh, I mean, I can just send you, uh, the text file that is all of our chat, chat transcripts from the past, uh, four or five years. I, I can make new conversations between the three of us with my, uh, sweet Markov chain generator. Nice. Yeah, okay, so, so, Paul wrote a Markov, so he, he took all of our chat logs from all of the time we've known him. Uh-huh. And... Oh, it, it's like, it's like... A lot of it, it's okay? Like and then... He also, I think, scanned, like, some message boards for posts and fed all of this into a Markov chain generator to generate new stuff for us to have already said. Sure, like you do. Right, and so, yeah. And now you have a so, Twitter bot? I, I, uh, I was no, but he could. But uh, that requires, like, like actual our Yeah, our, our friend group does weird things, like that one friend who decided it would be funny to write slash fic about his friends. Oh my God. <laughs> I still love that. I'm very happy that it's been purged from the internet with no record. Did it what? Did it have your last name in school? Uh, no, I don't no, think so. I don't, no, it was all first names, but it was on his... He just, like, posted it on his personal Tumblr, right? Yeah. So... Like, if you didn't know those people, it didn't make any sense, but it was the worst. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that a lot. You enjoyed it because you were not involved it's in any true. of them. <laughs> I, I, I was just like, hey, I wrote the spring thing. I was like, oh, let me see this. Yeah. They were they were mostly based on interactions from our Dungeons & Dragons campaigns. Yeah. Oh, so you're all like orcs and elves? No, no, no. Uh, they were just based on the way that we played our characters. See, I okay. So we were playing this campaign where I was the best character, which was a bard that whose bluff and diplomacy oh, yeah. were so high that I could win any encounter. Oh, and I also spoke every language. Talked to and all languages you didn't know, you could fake it till you made it. Yeah, I had a spell that gave me all the languages I didn't actually know. <laughs> so, yeah, so so I would just talk every encounter out like, oh, that orc is charging us. Uh, I'm gonna tell him to stop. Roll the ninety. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, uh, our, our other friend Mark really hated this because it meant that there was no game. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, I was having a lot of fun. Um, so he would just constantly get mad at us. And so, yeah. so there was, uh, there was, there was a, f- one of them where M- Mark and I were, like, ha- in some, like, weird gay relationship based on his hate anger of me. <laughs> 
I like my bard more in the end because it was okay. I uh, my character was possessed by Yag Saran. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. demons to kill the party. Oh but, man, that uh, went poorly the, for you. Yeah, the, it went poorly for me because they killed me and then res me because uh, the the DM didn't know how alignments worked, so he he didn't understand that I was breaking the rules. <laughs> And because he didn't tell me that I was breaking the rules, he had to allow it at that point. So they resed me as a halfling, and then I dressed up as the Duke of some kingdom. Oh, we're really hoping you're going to get bugbear. And uh, used my impossible bluff to uh, <laughs> use my impossible bluff to rule a kingdom or something. A floating, uh, floating castle in the sky. Yes, I did. I did get a steampunk castle. Which was pretty good. Uh, I can't tell if this is the slash fic or the original campaign. This is the original campaign. The, the original it's campaign not as good like as, like, the head of Vecna campaign. Yeah. yeah, the original campaign was really good until the last part, and then it was poorly written, which was sad. They were just like, hey, fill in the blank here. And the DM was like, I'll... I'll... I, I took over at that point, and we looked at it, and we're like... Oh, right, yeah. Now. It was just like, no, wait, what happened? We're just like, wait, what happens after that? Like, you... I don't know, surf on for a like, while? You, you get put anyway. into a bottle world. Yeah, the the head of Vecna is maybe the best, though. The best D&D story. Yeah, what, you know, what about Sir Barrington? Mm, oh, man, okay, so... You didn't play... You didn't play the the DLC for Dragon Age or or Dragon uh, Age Inquisition. I haven't played any Dragon Age. But there was an amazing bear knight in there, <laughs> who uh, you you could recruit as an agent. I, I see. I, I say these things and then I remember that Jim is in here. And I, I like. I don't know if you know what the head of Vecna is or if you care. <laughs> no idea. Okay, so oh. how much of like D and D 1.0 are you familiar with? You know, I had like as a kid, I just had everything. Every D and D thing, and I read it all, but I forgot it and I never actually played it. Do you I know? I think it's friends. I think it's like the hand of Vecna it's and the, the eye and the eye of Vecna. Do you remember any of these artifacts? I remember the the hand of Vecna being a thing. Okay, so the the Vecna artifacts are artifact level items that you much cut off powerful. that part of your body and replace it with that with the thing and it gives you the powers of that thing. Okay. Which are which are like god tier magics. So you can cut off your own head and replace it. <laughs> no, no, here's here's the that okay, so that's the story, right? Um this D&D c- campaign was he was running um two separate parties against one another. Okay. And one party decided to invent an artifact <laughs> called the Head of Vecna. <laughs> okay, yeah. And they paid bards to, like, spread the tales of it. They got ahead. They set up a fake dungeon that they had rigged a bunch of traps in and put the head in the middle, at, like like it would be in an actual dungeon right. where you would go get the artifact. The other head. party... Right, the other party got word of this particular uh, particular artifact and thought, oh man, we should get a hold of that. It would be a great thing to use against the the party that had set up these rumors. And we could totally beat them if we get the power of this magical artifact. Right. So they, they uh, went to the dungeon and they braved the entire dungeon 
and finally got to the head and started fighting an inter-party squabble over who should get their head cut off to be replaced with the head. Right. Uh, and eventually they decided that the wizard should get it because he was already proficient with magic. So they cut off the wizard's head. I think that like one of them tried to steal it at that point, so they had to oh, no, like, no. They, they, over they, it. Before, after that decision they made, they found that a party member had decapitated themselves trying to put the head on, but then was like, oh, there's no actual way to get the head on. So right, the rest if of you decapitate members, yourself. Yeah. So they, so they, so they, and so they, they finally put the head on the wizard, and of course, because it's not a real thing, he doesn't come back to life. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, they wonder if they're doing it wrong, and they decide they might have accidentally taken too long between cutting off the head and putting the new head on, so they take another volunteer. (laughs) And uh, after the second time, they start to catch on and get angry at the DM, (laughs) who is barely able to contain himself at this point. And uh, they blame it all on him, of course. Right. uh, Well, because what... Well, it was, it was like a PvP thing, right? You guys were talking about, like, two... Right, he was running two parties against one Right, so, like, what the other party did to the, to the victim party here is, like, really shitty level design. Like, that's not how you right. run a game. Right, but it is if you're players. Right, right. <laughs> it was an amazing strategy. Well, what that, what that means, basically, is that, like, you don't want to run a D&D game this way. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's really hard to run a two-sound thing. If you're really good, you can. Sure, sure. sure. You can't help them drawing the psychologist slowly, because that would hurt, and you mustn't hurt. But if you don't tell them, you'll hurt, so you must tell them. And if you do, you will hurt, and you mustn't, so you can't tell them. But if you don't, you hurt, so you must. But if you do, you hurt, so you mustn't. But if you don't, you hurt, so you must. But if you do, you hurt, so you mustn't. And Herbie screamed.
He's dead. No, not dead. Merely insane. Yeah, but but yeah, the head of Vecna is one of my favorite D and D stories. The other one is um, pagoda. The the gazebo. No, the pagoda is uh, the gazebo is not actually a story that I think is that great. Uh, I think it's funny that a guy didn't know what the word gazebo meant, oh, so he thought it was a monster. Yeah. But um, this is like the, the head of Vecna is like an, a story from D and D about like from the internet. This right. one is a story that was told to me by a guy that I knew as a thing that happened to him where um, he was, he was playing a, uh, a brand new game of D and D and the party started off in a cave with an old man and unbeknownst to the players, the old man was actually an elder black dragon who was giving them the quest. And he had an amulet around his neck. I believe that was enchanted so that when the dragon was asleep, he would take the form of an old man and could continue to act in the world. So the first thing that the, that happened was the thief in the party decided to see to try out his pickpocketing skills and to steal the amulet from this old man because he thought, oh, it's just an old man, I'll rob him. And he succeeded on his steal, removing the amulet from the dragon. The dragon immediately transformed back into a dragon and crushed the entire party to death against the walls of the cave because it was too big. I have a question. Yes. If... The dragon only turns into an old man when he's asleep. Right. How did he get into the cave, into a cave that he was too big for? He walked in. Well, he walked in when he was the old man. Oh, okay. So he, when the dragon is asleep, he turns into he an awake old man. He can still act, right? He has turned it into an, yeah, he's turned into an awake old man. My power is I turn into an old man when I'm sleeping. <laughs> but why is he, what happens when the old man falls asleep? The old man doesn't fall asleep. The old man is just always awake until the dragon wakes up and then it's a dragon again. Oh, I thought they found him asleep. No, no. They found the. There was. They they started like the campaign. The old man in the cave. Old man in a cave. And you are there. It's like the Legend of Zelda. Yeah, right? that's like it's dangerous, dangerous to go alone. Dangerous to go alone. So, yeah, that's that's my favorite story of a thing that actually happened to a person that I knew. Are you sure it's not Kanye West the Bard? Kanye West the Bard is so good. He's a giant, yo. I don't. I can't. <laughs> By the way, if you if you're busy or like you need to leave, you can feel free to to hang up this call. Yeah, <laughs> we're, just, we're just like dicking around now. We we, we I, just try to dick around for out for an hour or two afterwards. I, I probably should go, but I have been enjoying myself. Yeah, well, sure. Feel free to come back. You want to you want to record a second podcast every week? That's pretty similar to the one you already record. <laughs> I don't know about every week, but I would be happy to guest again.